Hey, hey, hello everyone and welcome to a new episode with Hadith Tech. Hi, Sarah. Hi, how are you? I am good. How about you? How was your day? Good. Or how is your day? <laughs> it's, uh, it's just starting the afternoon here in New York, so it's going, it's going well. It just snowed a little bit, so. That's awesome. I hope you have like a good day. Uh, welcome everyone to a new episode with Hadith Tech. In the last episode, we have talked with Elise Hollywood about her experience at GitHub Education. And today we are having Sarah Cross from Microsoft. Don't forget to like follow or listen to the previous episode. And welcome to Sarah. Uh, would you like to introduce yourself to the audience? Yeah, sure. Um, so my name is Sarah Cross um, and I recently started at Microsoft about four months ago as an analyst relations manager. Um, and then before that, I'll actually say that we first met while I was working for GitHub. I was writing a blog actually about this show. So it's been really cool. I've been able to write about different shows and actually come on different live streams. So that's been amazing. Um, and so I did a lot of copywriting for GitHub. Some of the stuff maybe people have seen on um, Campus Experts and things like that. Um, and then before that, uh, my career was largely a nonprofit doing communications. That's really awesome. Like, could you talk a little bit about your career first at the nonprofit? Uh, what was it and how did it start? Yeah, sure. So I started my career at the Anne Frank Center. Um, that's a nonprofit. Um, sort of advocating for social justice, which is something that is really important to me. So um, that's sort of one of the reasons why I took the job. Um, and as they were starting out, just sort of looking at all of the different, you know, I think sort of advocacy things that, that were happening at the time, um, I did a lot of sort of writing, so social media, doing press releases, op-eds and things like that. Um, and I was there a little over a year, and then I found myself at my next job, which was also a nonprofit at City University of New York. And anyone who's not familiar or, or not familiar with New York, it's um, it's a number of colleges across across New York. And so I sat at sort of the central office uh, working workforce development. So essentially, our job is to help students get jobs and get internships. And we know, I think, as so many people know it's it's a difficult task to get an internship, you know, um, and so we do all of those things that help students. And so what I would do was I ran all of our social media, our communications, things like that with partners. Um, and then that's sort of where I honed, I would say, my writing skills um, and then found myself at GitHub and then Microsoft. That's really great. Like, uh, could we could you tell us about how did you start working like with the star uh, with uh, GitHub and how did you start to working in tech like you were in now profit but you moved to tech uh, uh, companies right now? Yeah, absolutely. So I will freely admit I still I'm not a developer. I don't code. I don't do any of those things. And I, that's why I think it's really important just to talk about the different roles within tech um, where you don't necessarily have to be a technical role. Um, and so how did I first break into GitHub? Um, well, my very good friend, Ashley Bass at GitHub, um, I worked with her at City University of New York. She was running a tech program there and um, she thought that I would be a great fit. And I think part of that for me, it was nervous because I'm not a technical person. And I fact, I think that's the, one of the first things I ever said to you was, you know, 
when when I when we talk about the show, just please remember I'm not a technical person. So, you know, there's some things I might not be familiar with or things like that. Um, and so it was a really interesting process, I think, coming to GitHub and and writing about all of these things that I had never heard of and didn't know much about. And you realize that there's this big space for writing and being creative in a technical space. That's really awesome. Like here, uh, I would like to ask you, like, have you encountered the, like any different, let's say, non-technical rules in uh, the tech companies, like besides the one that you have right now and you worked on? Yeah, so there's actually, and I've learned about just so many since I've been at Microsoft, just different non-technical roles. So um, mine is it's non-technical role. And while I do sort of work on one product, um, I'm more so you know, sort of educating about product. Um, but there's also just so many things within, I mean, from, you know, the communication space, like all of the people that do the PR or the social media and things like that. And then coming to all of the people that onboard all of us or, or the, you know, the people who oversee, you know, how are we getting together and becoming a community, even though we're in this virtual world, there's so many people just putting those things together. Um, and I, and those people are incredibly important to making us all successful at our jobs. And so I think that's just something to remember. There's so many behind the scenes roles that happen. I mean, even from something like accounting or being a lawyer or things like that. Um, those are all non-technical roles in a huge tech company. That's really awesome. Like, hey, I think we could talk a little bit about like for the engineering. Usually, people think like uh, non technical rules are like non existent in the tech companies or corporate like Microsoft or GitHub. Do you like what kind of like exactly other people can enter, like besides the engineers? I think you mentioned writers as well. And what kind of other people we can see? Yeah, sure. So, I think so. I'll stop to say that I was a little bit um, nervous. Where would I fit into a tech company um, coming from nonprofit? I was a poli-sci major in college. Where would I fit into tech? Um, and I had a lot of coworkers and friends that said that it was a space for me. And so I think navigating that exactly to that question, um, is it a space only for engineers? And, and the answer is no, it is not just a place for engineers. It's a place for, I think, creative, passionate, empathetic people. And they do different work. I don't do technical work, but um, but there's a space for everybody. And I think that that's what's so important. And so if you're passionate about technology and if you're passionate about the changes that it can make, there's a space for you, even if you're not an engineer. That's really awesome. Here, like, uh, how can someone like be passionate or let's say, how can someone accept themselves to like get into tech? You told me like you were nervous and some of your friends helped you. How did this help you? Um, I think really, so there was one instance where, and in I think in the beginning when I was working at GitHub, I felt, you know, just a little bit nervous because there were so many things I was writing about that I, you know, I didn't feel like I was an expert in, or I didn't know much about. Um, and it's funny because I work on a lot of those products today. So I think it all comes full circle, but, um, you know, I had someone tell me that, you know, I had written something up and, and they told me that that would have taken them so long to do while it took me, you know, not as long. And so I think what I really took from that was there's a space for people who are writers and everybody has a different skill. And so while my my skill or my expertise and background is not, you know, I can't talk to you so much about the product 
what I can talk about is why this product is helpful for students, why these programs are helpful for students. And so I think understanding that everyone has a different place and role to play and different skills. Um, I think that's sort of how I accepted and understood my role that I can play in the tech world. That's really awesome. Like, as you mentioned right now, of talking about how the product worked and like the why of the products and why it's happening. Um, like, some of the engineers like focus more on the product itself, but you are focusing more on the humanitarian or humanity side. Uh, here, I would like to ask you about the different perspective that you added to the tech communities, like to the tech company. Like, maybe uh, you bring some kind of empathy to that. And like, could you talk a little bit about that? Sure. So I think the first thing to always remember, I mean, I think empathy is so important in terms of how we work with people, the way that we talk about products. Um, and I think the different perspective, right? If you're an engineer and you created something, you can have one perspective on it. But if you're working with customers or if you're trying to, um, you know, work with the product in a different way, you might have a different perspective. Um, and I think that's really important and to have that empathy and understanding about other people's skills and other, you know, other roles that people I think play in the success of the company and the success of the product. That's really awesome. Here I could like ask you about, it. do you have any advice for like people who want to get into tech companies, like from different backgrounds? Yeah, so I would say don't be scared <laughs> because it's been really great. Um, that would be my first thing is just to have confidence and and have confidence in your skills and your expertise, even if you don't think that they match up to what you think you're going to see in big tech, because there is a place for everybody. And I think it's about finding why you want to be at that company, what passion you have, um, and then sort of where you fit into that huge matrix of people. Um, and so I do think getting that sort of, I would say experience at GitHub was super helpful to me in the sense that, um, you know, I had some experience, not necessarily with product or developing or things like that, but I did have some experience in sort of like writing for a tech audience. And so I think that's helpful, even if you're just writing blogs, even if you're, you know, writing for smaller companies or things like that. I think that's really important to also build your confidence, I think is something that's super helpful. Um, but yeah, I think breaking into tech is also just realizing that those non-technical roles are there and you don't have to fit yourself into the box of a technical person. And so I think that's just important to be authentic to yourself as well and realize that you have a certain expertise and that is definitely enough. You don't have to necessarily seek out and try to be the best person at everything. Um, that, you know, I think being genuine and authentic to who you are and the skills that you have um, will help you find a role that that matches those. That's really awesome. Like from your experience, when you like started to write like technical blogs about the for technical communities, I want to ask you like, how did you learn or did you learn through like just by doing uh, practicing? What kind of learning way you have? A lot of research, I will say. <laughs> um, and I continue to do that because um, you know, without a technical background, sometimes there's words that come up and, and I think to myself, is that, what is that? Did I hear that right? Um, or those, there's so many acronyms. Um, and so to me, I sometimes have to like check myself and realize, I think a lot of it is on the job learning. So, um, if I hear something and I don't know what it is, um, I'll Google it, I'll look it up, I'll bring it to make sure that I heard that correctly, or I know what that is. Um, 
And so that's the first thing is that I think on the job learning is super important because you don't necessarily learn everything. I think, you know, certainly don't learn everything in college, I will say. Um, And that's something (laughs) to remember. I think experience is so important um, and having a supportive team, something that for me has been really helpful. I have an incredible colleague who um, when she's explaining something to me, she uses a lot of analogies because for me, I learn when I can connect it to something that I already understand. Um, and so that's really how I've learned. That's, like, that's really interesting. He, like, uh, besides the learning, did like have, like having a colleague here helped you for sure, but like, did you have like some kind of mentors or someone like who was guiding you beside like colleagues? Yeah, absolutely. So I am actually super passionate about mentoring. Um, I would not be here without my mentors. And so I think when you think about mentors, you know, there's so many different people in your in in your that come across you in your entire life. And so for me, that has been managers I've had at work, it has been friends, it has been professors. And along the way, those people they not only taught me, I think, so much about my career and supported me and connected me with people, um, but they really helped to shape my career and I think the person that I am professionally. So I would just encourage people in college, like, it's not about just getting an A. It's not just about, you know, um, studying and what what is on the test. It's also about you know, I think networking with the people that are in your class, because the people in your class are going to be the people that are you're surrounded with in the workplace, you know? And so um, I think that's super important. And then also, you know, getting to know your professors, because a lot of them still work in the field. And so that's something that's really important. So they bring a perspective of the industry, but also I think they still, you know, many of them still have connections in the industry. So when we talk about you know, how do you get an internship? How do you get a first job? How do you open the door into these things? I think a lot of it can come from professors. Um, and that's something that I definitely did sort of like after class or before class as well. Um, and so I'll just say, I think mentorship can happen at any time in your career. Um, even the most senior people have mentors and confidants that they have and are always learning from. So I'll say that too. I think that realizing that your career is a learning journey and no matter where you are um, is super important as well. So I would just say it's important to look for a mentor and it's also important to be a mentor to other people as well. Like that's really interesting here. I would like to ask you like, how can someone like find mentors like outside of the network or the circle that they have? Sure. So I think so much of it comes from shared interests and what your passions are. So for me, um, I was really passionate about social justice and advocacy work. Um, And so that is something I talked about a lot with people. You know, I talked about my background, things I was interested in. And so I would say I would look to other places. It doesn't have to be a classroom. It doesn't have to be work, but look for other places where people share your interests. And I would say, and don't be afraid to be vulnerable and talk about the things that you're, that you care about and are passionate about. They don't, they don't necessarily have to even be, you know, professional or career related. Um, you know, it could be cooking, it could be gardening, it could be sewing different sort of things that, um, I think the main part of it is that you connect with people on a human level. And I think that that's sometimes, you know, forgotten because this pursuit of the right career, this pursuit of this right internship can be, you know, um, 
very consuming, but to remember that we're all people and connecting on that human level is just as important. That's an interesting here. I, 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 for your job right now, I want to ask like, um, I think it's like, can, could you tell us a little bit about your job right now at Microsoft? Sure. Um, so I'll say that I just started um, in October. And I think something that's really interesting about the work um, and even about me getting this role is I didn't have a background in analyst relations before. Um, and so to me, I think that signaled to me that they that, that team was really interested in learning and bringing on someone new and, and I was as well. And so um, I'm still learning, I will say, but um, we help to position, I think, and bring customers the products that are really important to them and the capabilities that are really important to them. Um, and so it is a role where I do have to know about the product, but at the same time, it's very people-centric. So it's very much about the relationship and communication aspect of that as well. And so I think that's the part where I fit in and that's the part where I feel like I can make a difference. For like about this job, like how did you think about like applying for it if you didn't like have an experience with that before? Sure. So I was looking at a number of different communications roles, and I'll say that I had a lot of friends at GitHub and Microsoft that I had worked with previously who had sort of made the shift over uh, into tech and to. Um, the private sector. And, you know, they said, this is definitely something for you, Sarah. And this is something, um, not even like the work, but just the team and the resources and things like that, that they said would change my life. And they definitely did. Um, and so how I went about that was I, you know, took stock of the people that I knew at Microsoft, the roles and things like that to get as much information as I could. So I think that's something that's super important um, is that, I personally don't think it's it's necessarily the volume of applications. I think that, you know, when you, again, when you find out what it is that your skill set is, and then you sort of look at, look at those realistically in terms of the job descriptions. Um, so I will say I did start out looking at communications roles, um, and that just developed into, into what I do today. That's very interesting. During like your journey for finding the job and after finding the job, like you had like some kind of let's say uh, uh, like a different learning journey. How did this come up during your work? Like how did you learn besides like finding mentors, besides like reading and researching a lot? Is there any specific thing you could like tell about that? Yeah, sure. So <clears throat> I will say. Um, people often ask me about sort of like writing and developing those skills. And I'll say that so much of that came from, from, I would say college is when it started. And I was a poli-sci major. So we had tons of different writing courses and things like that. And so I think my writing skills, that is something where they really started to build. And that's why I think every experience matters, right? So from the college courses that you take to your first, second, third job, um, that's sort of where you build the skills. And, and for me, college is where I built on that foundation of communication skills and those writing skills. Um, you know, all those homework assignments that at the time I was like, wow, this is so time consuming and tedious. But, you know, in the end, it made it so that when it came time for me to get a job, um, writing it came a little bit more seamlessly to me and I was more confident in my writing. So I would say for me personally on the job skills is really important. And that's how I learn. Um, 
And then every time you go somewhere else or you are at a new job or you have new colleagues, there's always going to be something that they teach you, whether it's, um, you know, I don't know. So how you write something or to do something faster or to write through a new lens or to consider other people in, in their perspectives. I think there's always something to learn. That's really awesome. Since you are working like right now with Microsoft, do you have any advice for people who like set kind of like hard goals or let's say high goals for their jobs or like their work? So I will say one thing. One, Some of the best advice that I ever got from a mentor was, um, you know, first find the thing that you care about and the success will follow. And I think that's, it can be hard to see in the beginning of your career, especially if you don't sort of start out where you think you will um, or when you have setbacks. But um, I've really taken stock of that advice to find the things that I cared about through the jobs that I had and, um, and then landed it somewhere amazing that I could have never imagined. And so I think having those really hard set goals, you know, you always, yes, you want to have a goal, but I also think that, you know, there's a, there's a place to be flexible and realize that um, if it's not that company, it's going to be another company. And I'll say too, that I was interviewing, you know, at, at a number of different companies and, you know, sometimes those take months and months and, you know, it's sort of heartbreaking when you love a team and you love a role and you've invested so much time into them and you don't get that role. But what this role and this team has taught me is that if you wait and you're patient and you try hard, the right role and the right team is out there. So I would also say that, you know, in the face of rejection, I've been rejected so many times, you know, and so in the face of rejection, just to remember that the right place and the right team is out there. Uh, he, he, like, how can you, like, you'll get rejected a lot of times. How could you come, like, some people, after getting a few times of rejection, they just feel, like, uncomfortable and they feel like they could do nothing, like, uh, how, what do you advise this kind of people? How do you advise them to continue with their, like, applications or, let's say, work and to find their best job? Sure. So one thing I will say is that I used to feel a little bit self-conscious, right? So when I would work with a mentor or work with someone that referred me, if I didn't get the job, I would feel really embarrassed, um, you know, and they would always come back and say, you know, let me know if you see another job. And I, I felt really embarrassed that I didn't get it or I didn't get the interview. Um, and, you know, it felt like, well, they're saying that, you know, I can send them another one, but, you know, really, is that okay? So now I've been on the other side of that. <laughs> um, and I can say that the people I've worked with so many colleagues and friends, um, you know, and supporting them and getting new roles. And I can say that, yes, even when there's some setbacks, I never feel, um, you know, I never feel like it was a waste of time. I never feel like, oh, they didn't get it. I'm not going to help them again. I, I feel like their biggest cheerleader. I feel like, you know, I want to do everything that I can to help them get that next job. So I'll say being on the other side of it, I've also sort of seen what it's like for people, um, for people who are mentoring people or for people who are referring others. Um, and so I think that sort of perspective really helps shift for me. So I can honestly say from both sides that, um, that people want to help you and that, um, you know, when you're a genuine person, that people are there for you. And you just sort of have to sort of seek those people out. And, 
in the face of rejection, just realize that, you know, for better or for worse, that probably was a role that you shouldn't have gotten and that there is a better role. Um, because I think that goes back to your first, the, the question before this, right, about people that have that, you know, they're so focused on this one company. And I think even I have been very focused on a single company or a single role. And I feel like there isn't going to be another one out there. And the truth is there is going to be another one out there and it might be even better. I didn't know that this role at Microsoft existed before and I can't imagine now not having it. That's an interesting idea. Like since you have like some kind of uh, two different perspective right now about like the rejection and helping people, I think here like being at your place where you are more humanistic centric thing could help more and connect that. Uh, I want to ask you like for the rejection some stuff like uh, people sometimes it's not like just don't want to apply again. Sometimes they feel like this is not like my work. This is not like my field. I am. I don't fit that like that. And I need more smart people to be here. Like, have you ever faced something like that? Or like, do you have any advice for this kind of people? So what I think you're talking about is imposter syndrome. And I 100% have imposter syndrome and something that I like to remind myself. Um, so imposter syndrome is when you are incredibly smart, capable, but you constantly feel like, oh, people are going to find out that I'm not good enough for this job, or I'm not smart enough, or I didn't deserve this. Um, that's a rough definition, but that, that's sort of to give you a gist of that. And I think what I like to remind myself is, is that I wouldn't have imposter syndrome if I wasn't incredibly smart and capable. So if you look up the definition, you'll see that it takes a really smart person to even have imposter syndrome. And so when you're having it and you're feeling like you don't belong or you're feeling like, you know, you don't, you're not smart enough to be there, you wouldn't even have those feelings if you weren't smart enough to be there. Um, and so that's just something I'll say is that, again, everybody is on a learning journey throughout their career. It doesn't matter what level you're at. So that's also something I think that's important as we think about not feeling like we fit in, then maybe there's, you know, talk to your other coworkers and things like that, because I think there are ways to, again, have that human aspect and connect with people on a genuine level. Um, and there's people out there that will probably support you that will feel the same way. Um, I'll also say one other thing is that a tip that I used to do after interviews um, for people that interview a lot or get rejected Um so I think that when something happens, um, it's really hard to capture and remember that moment where you feel good about it because as time goes by, you start thinking, oh, I should have said something else or, you know, was that what I said weird or, you know, oh my God, the recruiter hasn't gotten back to me. So um, I think that something to remember is um, a tip that I have. I had two friends, one was an old coworker as well. Um, and so after every interview that I had, I would call them immediately and say like, here are the good things that happened. Here are some of the things that I said that maybe were a little bit, <laughs> you know, awkward. Um, because that helped me remember, you know, a week later, I wasn't thinking like, oh my gosh, that went so terrible. I, I could go back and remember and sort of move past the things um, and remember all of the good moments of that as well. So I think that's just important too, is to document. Um, I have another friend who, when she gets, you know, positive feedback, she always writes that down as well. And I think it's just, it's good to remember, um, you know, the positives because I think so, so much of it, we remember 
um, a negative experience or remember something that we felt insecure about. But um, there's probably a lot of positive things that happen as well. And so just to, I think, document and, and remember those things is important. That's really like important, I think, because like people usually just, as you mentioned, remember the negative things and they forget about that. Even when you go like, if you went to a shopping website or something like that, you will just fall, see that like bad comments rather than like having someone who thank them for that. It's yeah. like some kind of uh, human habit to like focus on negative things and remembering and forgetting the good things. Uh, for, the, uh, for the right job and right team, we talked about that. Uh, there is another kind of stuff like people face during their career is that at the beginning of their career, they could jump, like, jump between a job and another job and move between teams till they find something like that. Like, uh, do you think that this is normal for like people or should they like feel bad about that as well? Not as well, like, uh, they, yeah. <laughs> it's, so I will say that is something I think that's changing just in, in the workforce today and how things are um, in so many different places, right? So like, do you stay somewhere more than a year? Do you stay somewhere 10 years? Like how long is the right time to stay? I would say I don't have an answer on the right time to stay um, because I think that what I've come to realize is that people stay for different reasons. So I think that's something to remember as well. If you're looking to leave um, and you sort of wonder why a coworker isn't doing the same or why they're staying um you know everybody stays at a job or keeps a job or leaves a job for you know a different reason and for a personal reason so I think that's one thing just to think about um you know if you're in a space where you're thinking should I leave should I go the people around you have different reasons and for you you might the choice might be to leave um and I think that that's okay and the right job right team I think is very important because I think you have to take stock in what is important to you. Something that's important to me is that um, my team is my family. Um, I am not the type of person that just sort of like clocks in nine to five. Um, my colleagues and, you know, my managers, it's very important to me that we have a, a good relationship. It's very important to me that we're close. Um, you know, I don't just sort of like go into work every day, I do my job and then I leave. So for me personally, that's something that's important to me. For other people, that might be less important, and that's okay. Um, so I think the first thing to do is think about what is important to you in the job. Um, if stability is something that's incredibly important, and it is, then that's something where you do want to think about, is this somewhere I could spend 10 years? Is there something, you know, is this a stable job? So I think there's just so many different factors of what people need in their lives and what they value and what they value at the time you know, um, and so I think that's just important to realize it's very, it's very individual. Um, and to also just be honest with yourself, um, you know, about what you need. Yeah, that's really, like, yeah, I, th thank you for that. Uh, I, I want, like, you, at the beginning of the conversation, you talked, like, you were in, like, an improvement works, and you moved to some kind of corporate work right now, like Microsoft. I want to ask you, like, about the difference between, like, non-profit and the corporate. How did you feel in the non-profit and how did you feel in the corporate? Sure. So I have worked for a small nonprofit, a huge nonprofit, and now a huge multinational company. So definitely, um, definitely different, I would say, vibes, um, which is super interesting. I would say what I've come to realize is that... Um, 
is that there's a space even in the smallest and the largest companies to do something you're passionate about and make an impact. And sometimes that looks different. Um, and I, and again, I think that goes back to your question on people that have that thought, like that path, like I will go to this company. Um, but at the end of the day, things change and, and you realize that there's different ways that you can make an impact um, or different ways that you can achieve that goal that you did, might not have known about before. And so I'll say at working in nonprofits, it was very, the ones that I happened to work at, um, you know, I found the thread into what was very important, my, I think, personal mission, I would say, about advocacy work and social justice. And and those were places where I felt really passionate. I think on, you know, on one of our first calls, I talked about the work that I had done at, at CUNY at City University of New York. And, um, and part of it is, um, you know, the majority of our, the majority of our students, English is not their first language and things like that, or their first generation college students. And so it was really important to me that I got to support those students and that I got to tell those stories to employers and got to support them. And so for me, that was the through line. I never thought that I would work in higher education before. That's not something I thought about. I had a mentor, they suggested higher education. And so I started expanding out and looking at not just, you know, these advocacy sort of nonprofits and NGOs, but looking at higher education. And that is where I found that just an incredible job where it really did speak to, you know, I think what my personal mission is, even though, yeah, I never thought that I would work in higher education. And so I think that sort of translates over too, is that, um, you know, the job in and of itself might not, I think, it's not always what you think it is. And so, um, I guess that doesn't necessarily answer the question of how they're different, but I would say that um, <laughs> I would say that there's smart people wherever you go. Um, there's smart people and there's a lot of great work to be done. Um, it has definitely been a challenge, um, not a challenge. It's been a journey, I would say, um, you know, understanding sort of the politics of, of a smaller nonprofit to a large nonprofit to a large company Um you know, it's just, it's been, I think, very different um, and interesting and really amazing. That's awesome. Like, I, I just remembered something like some kind of like uh, big companies or corporate companies do some kind of like nonprofit work as well. Yeah. Uh, it, I think it's here like some kind of place in between of both of them. Uh, have you tried it or like have you been have connects with there or something like that? Yeah, sorry. Um, I guess that's just a reminder that we're all human. And yes, I have to cough. Um, so I will say, yes, there. So even in the work that I did at CUNY, there were a lot of, you know, like big banks and things that we worked with. And I guess this might be sort of a controversial thing to say. But to your point, there is philanthropy in so many other pockets that we don't think about. Right. And so um I think at Microsoft, it's something that I've definitely, you know, I'm, they support so many different nonprofits and matching and things like that. Um, in fact, I actually was just talking to my friend um, who, who started this nonprofit um, and talking just about, you know, when you donate through Microsoft, they match and things like that, that I think is super important. And yes, philanthropy and tech, that is 
I think where I have understood my role, which is I don't necessarily work in that sort of philanthropy department, but what I think is important is that tech can transform lives um, and it works its way into everything that we do. And so that's the part for me that I think I have found speaks to my personal mission. That's awesome. I, I want to ask about like personal mission, like and working on social justice, like what made you do choose this kind of mission and work on it? Um, why, why did I do it or how? Like why and how? Sure. So I guess, uh, I guess why is something, well, I guess I can talk about just like, I guess what I mean about personal mission, which I'll say is what are the things that, um, you know, when you take stock of your life, what are the things that you really care about? They might be specific causes. They might not be a cause at all. It might be, um, you know, again, I think it's very individual and very personal, but I do think it's worth the time to think about. And for me, it has always been to tell the stories of people who don't necessarily have the capacity to tell their stories themselves. And so for me, that has been important to me when I talk about, I think, social justice or advocacy work. Um, there were so many things in college that I learned about that no one had ever heard of. And, you know, like when I talked about it with my friends and for me, I thought that was a problem. And I wanted to make sure that people understood different things that were going on around the world. Um, and so I guess when I talk about sort of advocacy or that personal mission, that's, that's sort of what I mean. Um, and so I think that storytelling aspect like I said, you, it's sort of, you know, we're never probably, most people probably don't have the incredible opportunity to do exactly what they want to do <laughs> in their career. That's exactly tied to their personal mission. And so I'll say that for me, if I, if I pull it out, I would say I really care about telling people's stories and making sure that people feel heard. And so I think that I've been able to do that at a number of different nonprofits. Some of those are more specific in, um, and I think, you know, topics that, where I was very passionate about, but I think when you pull that sort of larger mission out, you realize that you can do that at a number of different companies and a number of different roles. And so at Microsoft, I am able to sort of pull out those stories and give, um, you know, and I think share those stories. Do you have any like uh, inspirational story just like you remember right now you could share um, about like a personal story on I just about interesting uh, like something about like people uh, those who doesn't have like uh, some of the people who are, like uh, you have an impact on their life during your work like in either in tech or in nonprofit like sure so I think. One that I think people, they I hope they would be okay with me sharing this one. Um, so I will say, I think managing interns is incredibly challenging, right? So I think that in my history of work, I've been both a, you know, a good manager and one that definitely could have improved. And part of that comes from think being really honest with yourself and how much time you're able to dedicate to them, how much time you're able to dedicate to learning, to well, learning from them and also sort of like mentoring and coaching them as well. 
Um, and so I think early on in my career, I, that's something I didn't understand as much, right? So I sort of saw it as additional support, but I didn't necessarily see that that mentoring, I think, component as well. And so I have also, you know, had really good internships. I've had internships that were a little bit, you know, more challenging or, or things like that. And so when I got to CUNY, I was asked if I would take on a couple interns one summer. And I really thought about it because to me, I don't want to take that on if I don't think that I can be the responsible for them if I don't think that I can invest enough time into them. Um, and so I really had to think like, is the work that I have for them important, impactful, and am I going to have the time to teach them? So I would like to think that I did. Um, I had a number of interns one summer and um, something I once wrote about on LinkedIn, I thought it was so incredibly special. Um, and I, I asked her if that was okay to share with, with everybody because it is super personal. But, um, you know, so at the end of it, I took my interns out to this restaurant because I had a friend. Um, so the background on me, I worked in restaurants all through college to, to work my way through college. And so one of the chefs that I worked with since, since you know, I stopped working with him, he had opened a couple of restaurants. And so... Um, he actually went to a college that one of my interns was going to and things like that. They were sort of interested in like in business and learning. And so for the last day that I had them, I brought them to this restaurant and I had them ask him questions. How did they start a business? Like all of these things. And, um, you know, then I went through, how do you write a thank you letter? How do you reach back out? If you're interested in a job, how do you do all, how do you sort of coaching them through all of those things? And, at the end of it, one of my interns wrote me to thank me. And she said that I was the first person to believe in her. And that was one of the first, I think, professional interactions that she had ever had. And for me, I felt it was such, I just felt such a connection and such sort of pride in her that yes, I definitely believed in her. I, since then, I think it's been like three or four years. I've, you know, done so many reference checks for her. She's gotten so many amazing jobs. She's so incredible. And so I'll say that I think that that part of it, that, you know, having interns that summer, it was not within my job description. I did not have to do it. Um, I didn't have to do it to the level that I did it. And to have someone come back to say that, you know, I'd impacted their lives in that way, I think was just, was really, it was really important to me and reminding me that there's so many things that you can do outside of the job that you have that can be rewarding. That's really awesome. Like for having, like letting someone believe in themselves and like trusting them to go through their lives. Like that's really interesting. Uh, I want to, uh, if, uh, do you have like any final notes you would like to say for those people who doesn't, didn't find like anyone to believe in them yet? Those yeah. who are around us right now, everywhere. Yeah, I would say that don't be discouraged and don't be shy. Um, and so that's something, advice that I would often have given students and they would say, well, I talked to my professor and they, they didn't have time or they didn't want to talk or something like that. And so I think that goes back to the question of rejection, right? So that is a, a sort of form of rejection um, if you're looking to find a mentor and, 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 you know, they, and they might not have time, you know, and that I think is, is something to remember again, like they're being honest with you, but I would say 
that just like with the job, that rejection shouldn't stop you. And it should only make you, I think, you can work harder in some ways, you know, to say that that wasn't a match. It's like sometimes you get a job and it's not a match, you know, and it's okay to be honest with yourself and honest with the people around you and take stock in the fact that this isn't the right fit and that's okay. So I would say in that sort of final advice into people that are, that, you know, have been discouraged or will be discouraged in the future because people will be discouraged in the future. I will be discouraged in the future. And I think it's important to remember that, you know, there are other opportunities and the right opportunity will find you. But if you don't keep going, you'll never find that opportunity. And so I think the best advice that I, or my final advice, I would say maybe not the best would be um, to just remember that there's so many things that are important outside of doing the actual job itself, right? So there's connecting with people, there's getting to know people, there's learning things that you would have never known from a book or from onboarding um, that you learn from someone who's been there for 20 years, you know? And so I would just say to always remember to be genuine and, and sort of true to yourself and also look for that human element in other people as well. Thank you for this advice. We really appreciate it. And thank you for joining us today as well at this like episode and like spending time from your holiday to the to talk with people and giving us this kind of like awesome conversation today. Uh, uh, and thank you for everything for that. And hopefully we'll see uh, the audience in the next episodes as well. Absolutely. Oh, one last thing I just want to say. Sure. Um, that feel free, anyone who watches this, to add me on LinkedIn. And one of the best advice I got from a professor was if you're going to add someone on LinkedIn, shoot them a message to say, like, you know, I saw this stream or I'm also really interested in breaking into tech or just something personal um, so that when they see it, they sort of know who you are. Um, I think that's really important. And I encourage everyone, if you ever want to chat more uh, or learn about what I did uh, or if I can ever help anyone to just um, shoot me a message on LinkedIn. That's awesome. Thank you for that. And see ya. Bye. Bye.